Hey, you are no locked on Golden Gophers. No matter what we're going to do here, we're just going to keep rowing. Your daily podcast on the Minnesota uh, Golden out, Gophers. Whatever turns out, we're just going to keep rowing. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We're just going to keep rowing, keep rowing, and keep rowing. You're listening to Lockdown Golden Gophers, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. And today we've got a fantastic guest coming your way. You've heard him before as the Gophers hockey play-by-play on Bali Sports. He is also the executive producer for Locked On Minnesota and a host over there. Welcome to the show, Sam Ekstrom. Thank you so much for taking the time to come out. Thrilled to be making my first appearance here, Kane. You do awesome work on this show. Um, pumped that the Gophers hockey team has given us something to talk about. I know the hoops hasn't quite held up its end of the bargain. Love what Ben Johnson's doing there. Um, I think they'll come around. But right now, hockey is the, the talk of the town. Five sellouts on the year. The fans are coming back to Mirayuchi uh, and Hockey Day coming up on Saturday. It's been a ton of fun. Absolutely. You, you hit that on the head. Hoops has been tough. It's been tough so far, but the Gophers hockey team is keeping us alive and well when it comes to spirits. So let's jump right in. Um, we just ended up splitting a one-in-one series with Michigan here at home. Both went down to overtime, set the attendance record at 3M Mariucci Arena, and now that leaves the Gophers 18-7-1 on the year, number one in the pairwise, number two in the NCAA rankings, now behind the new number one with St. Cloud State. Now, in your opinion, what was the number one takeaway from that gritty series with Michigan? Just drama. Uh, talent. There were 26 draft picks involved in that game, and a lot of them were freshmen. Uh, Michigan had something like 37 goals from freshmen coming in. The Gophers had 34. Two of the, actually the two, youngest teams in NCAA hockey and top 10 teams. So if you want young talent, if you want NHL prospects and first-round picks, you had it in that series. And they delivered. And, And there were a lot of subplots going into that series because the first time they met, Number one, Michigan had guys that were were not only sick, but hospitalized. Like they, there was a, a virus that went around their team. They had had some guys very ill. Their minds weren't on hockey. They were shorthanded. And the Gophers beat them handily two nights in a row. So Michigan came in with something to prove, trying to say, hey, Minnesota, uh, when we have our full complement of players, we can play with you. And they did both nights and could have easily swept that series. And likewise, the Gophers could have easily swept Michigan with uh, with an overtime winner on Saturday. But that's four of five games now for the Gophers that have gone to overtime. Uh, this was more of the same. You love to see them flip that switch in third periods where the Gophers are down a goal. And so many times this season, they've managed to come up with it. Uh, they get a big goal, you know, on Friday to tie the game from Lacombe and then the winner obviously from Nyes. And then the next night it was Cooley setting up Brodzinski. Um, so just the, the clutch factor of this team on full display overtime can be a little bit of a coin flip. They got it on Friday. They didn't get it on Saturday, but so much talent in that series. The right, you felt the rivalry. You kind of yeah, felt absolutely. like they were playing for the little Brown jug, um, honestly, in both of those games. So no surprise they had over 20,000 bodies in that building combined between the two nights just awesome, awesome college hockey. Absolutely. I was there for the second game. It was my first game in attendance this year. Regretting not going to 
a lot of them beforehand, but I'm curious on your thoughts here because I know they came off a massive win the night before on Friday, but to me, it looked like they might've been either a little gassed or conserving energy in the second, in that second game, especially in the earlier periods. Was that the case in your opinion, or was I just a little off on that one? Yeah, I think the eye test would tell you that, and Bob Motzko would tell you that, and I'll take his <laughs> word for it. Uh, he credited Justin Close for keeping them in that game. He said without the goaltending, it could have been 6-1 after one period. Uh, and you saw the shots discrepancy. Like mm-hmm. the, the previous night, the Gophers almost had 50 shots on goal, and they would have if they counted posts as shots on goal. They hit the post four times in that game. So they pelted Portillo on Friday, and then they got outshot on Saturday. So give Michigan credit for bouncing back and getting those points. Um, and I think it was the Gophers kind of slow, lackadaisical start that set them behind. They were playing from behind after one, playing from behind after two. Um, that That's really what, what prevented them from winning that game outright. Absolutely. And Michigan's fast. That team has a lot of speed out there on the ice as well. Now, looking at the last few series for the Gophers, what would you say is the number one thing the Gophers need to address as they prep to close the regular season and ultimately try to strive for that national championship? Yeah, four series to go in the regular season. Bob Motzko going into the Michigan series was was saying, we haven't been the same since Christmas. And I think that the, the numbers bear that out. They had seven of eight games going into the holiday where they had scored five or more goals. They were really blowing teams out. Since Christmas, it's been a dogfight every single night. Um, they don't have a sweep since Christmas. They, you know, they lose one night against St. Cloud State, then they go to overtime and win the next day. Notre Dame, they win 3 nothing, then they lose in the shootout. Michigan, they win in overtime, they lose in overtime. So you've had a lot of tight games. You've had a lot of overtime games. And the scoring has been a little bit down. I think they started to, to reinvent that in, in the Michigan series, and maybe Michigan State will be the tonic that they need because Michigan State has been struggling. Gophers could hang a big number on them. But I think the scoring depth, Kane, is going to be the one question for me. The top line can go up against any top line in the nation, and I think they they like that. They're not going to spread out their best scorers among the lines because they know how dominant and what a trump card that group is, that they can put them out there together at any point and make some electricity. Second line, solid. Brodzinski, Nelson um, and Nevers, they're probably all going to have double-digit goals this year. It's the third and fourth line scoring, particularly the third line, that mm-hmm. concerns me a little bit. Um, Aaron Huglin, he's always around the goal. He's always producing scoring chances. He works really hard. The analytics love him. He's only got three goals on the year. Got a big one on Saturday, but he needs to score more. Rhett Pitlick, no points in the last six games. He had a mini explosion kind of around like early December, late November. But before that and after that, he's been pretty quiet. They need him to produce as well. And they're on a line with freshman Brody Lamb. I don't know how much you can expect of Brody, but Pitlick and Huglin are the two guys that could add a third scoring line to this group. You like their top two, but I think on a night where the other team's you know shutdown line is taking away Nyes and Cooley and Snuggerud, you need a little more depth. So that's what I think the Gophers need to expand upon if they're going to really make that NCAA tournament run. I love that. I love that insight. And I kind of, now that I think back on the game and kind of what I was watching, I'm like, yeah, no, he's, he's definitely speaking facts right there. I remember anytime that one of those first two lines are in, I'm like, oh yeah, it's time. Here we go. I'm ready. 
And then when we get to the third one, I'm like, all right, you know, we'll see what happens. So I definitely think you can feel that even in the atmosphere, in the fans, in their attitudes and whatnot. But when we're looking at the Gophers, it looks like they've now kind of built a a nice small cushion around their standing in the Big Ten. Do you think there's any team that can challenge Minnesota late for the Big Ten title? I don't. Um, Ten points is pretty, pretty big with eight games to go. Uh, the, the Gophers would have to endure a stretch where they drop like three out of four. And with the schedule they have coming up, I don't think that's going to happen. They have Wisconsin in there. Wisconsin's been struggling. Penn State's a plucky team. That could give them some fits. But I, I think the Gophers can win two this weekend. And if they do that, then that pretty much puts a stamp on it. Um, I know that you know it can turn quickly if you get swept in a weekend series. So I don't want to say it's over. But I would say 95% chance the Gophers finish this thing off. They've got so many more goals beyond that that it's almost kind of a, a footnote at this point. Um, but they're clearly, I think, the class of this conference. And, and and there's a lot of talent in this conference too, Kane. And I think the Gophers are the best of them. They've got ranked teams there, Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State has been playing really well. And Michigan State is even still hanging on at number 15 in that top 20. So I think the Gophers are the class of the conference. Uh, the question is, are they the class of college hockey? That's what I think Bob Motzko and companies focused on. Right, right. No, I like that. And you kind of led me into that final question before we move on further into the future talk of Gophers. What series of the regular season gives you the, do you think the Gophers have the biggest challenge with, whether it be matchup mm-hmm. wise, whether it be play style or what have you between the Ohio State, the Michigan State, and the Penn State. I think we can leave Wisconsin out of this one right now, but between those three, what do you think gives the Gophers the biggest challenge? Yeah, it, it's nice, by the way, to have like the clear leg up on Bucky in at yes. least one sport. Uh, <laughs> that That's nice. I think going on the road to play Penn State at Pagula Ice Arena is probably the biggest challenge. Um, I, I do broadcasting as well for St. Thomas Radio. I went out to Penn State earlier in the year, and I did that series. I saw the arena. I saw Penn State not only against St. Thomas, but I saw him play the Gophers at home. Number one, the Penn State Nittany Lions have only, they're the only team to beat the Gophers in regulation at home this year. So that says something. Number two, they're just old and seasoned. Like they brought back over a hundred goals from last year's team and they weren't projected to be very high in the big 10. And I think that was foolhardy on the, on the voters part because they're really well coached by Guy Godowski and they're very experienced. As I mentioned, the Gophers are very, very young. And that could be the one factor that ends up biting them in the end. But a team like Penn State that has a lot of 23 and 24-year-olds is always going to give you a tough game in their home barn. So going to Penn State, I believe that's coming off the bye. So the Gophers should be rested going in there. Um, that's one where you might actually be happy coming away with a split. First, I want to talk to you about our friends over at FanDuel. FanDuel brings you the show brand new to the podcast. They are our new go-to when it comes to Locked On Sportsbook, and you definitely have to give them a look, give them a try, because if you place a bet of at least $5, that's just $5 within that sportbook, they're giving you $150 automatically, win or lose. That's right, win or lose. You get the opportunity to get $150 just off of a $5 bet, and that is guaranteed. So just sign up at fanduel.com slash locked on. Again, that's fanduel.com slash locked on. And Fanduel has all of your favorite bets, 
money lines, point spreads, player props. You can even do same game parlays to triple, quadruple, multiply your, your chance, your payout, depending on if you hit. Now, it's a good thing to try out. It's a good thing to give a look. And if you're ever even just looking for props and odds to understand the lines and how they are favored towards certain teams, you should check it out at FanDuel. But again, go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and you can get that deal with a $5 bet to get $150 free. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sports book of the NFL. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that'll be one to be on the lookout for. Now, once again, we are joined by Sam Ekstrom talking pride on ice here with Locked On Golden Gophers. As we get closer to the end of the regular season, which teams do you think are the biggest contenders in getting in Minnesota's way when it comes to looking at the national championship, looking at making a Frozen Four? Who are those top contenders you talked about being the cream of the crop in the Big Ten? But are we the cream of the crop in the nation? Who are those schools that are in your way? Yeah, you know, it's it's easy to be very myopic, like in our our view, because we kind of only see the teams that are playing in the Midwest, that are playing in the the Big Ten, the NCHC, um, the CCHA. We don't see a lot of other college hockey around here. So I can't speak to Harvard. Like Harvard is a top 10 team. I haven't seen a lick of them this year. <laughs> Merrimack is a good team. I haven't seen one second of Merrimack hockey. Now, regionally speaking, there are some traditional powers that are not playing up, up to standards. Like Minnesota State Mankato mm -hmm. coming around a little bit right now, but they're really hurting from the people they lost last year when they uh, reached the national championship. Uh, Minnesota Duluth, not quite the same. UND over in North Dakota, not quite the same. So there's some big programs that, that may or may not even make the tournament um, and if they do, they may not be a top seed. So some of those traditional powers might be beneath the Gophers in terms of talent, at least. Um, St. Cloud State, though, the new number one team, is the obvious foil for the Gophers. They showed what they can do against Minnesota when they beat them in St. Cloud State that Friday night, January 7th. Their goaltending and defense is really good. Their scoring is average, but they make their, you know, make their money with, with that decor, those blue liners. If the Gophers ran into them in the NCAA tournament, I think that would be a scary matchup. Um, but I look at the CCHA. I don't think there's anybody that scares me there. NCHC, Denver, last year's champion. If you ran into Denver, and the Gophers don't play them this year, so they don't have a head-to-head -head comparison. But uh, Denver's another team that is always there to be reckoned with. I think that that would worry me as well. So I'm just giving you some of those other top five teams that, that I know a little bit about. I can't speak as well to Western Michigan. Haven't seen them play. But Western Michigan can score. Top scoring team in the nation. And Justin Close is a big X factor for the Gophers. Their goaltender, obviously. Um, facing a, an offensive-minded team like Western Michigan, I think could stress him out as well. But he does have one of the best blue lines in the country in front of him. So that helps. I love it. And you're just teeing me up with these transitions here. I absolutely am here for it. But I want to know, who do you think needs to step up on this roster in or and take their game to another level in order to bring home a national championship? Not a Frozen Four appearance, but to mm -hmm. actually bring the trophy home. Gosh, it's a great question. I, I think that Close obviously needs to steal a game for you at some point. Like If you have four games in the tournament to win the national championship, 
you might not have your best night. You might not be able to score five goals in every game. You're going to have a game where Cooley, Nyes, and Snuggerud get shut down. You're only going to score twice. You need your goaltender to pitch a shutout or allow maybe one goal, and that needs to happen. Um, Justin Close has been remarkable. Bob Motzko loves his story. Um, I think that it's hard to separate sometimes Justin Close from his defensive core, though, because the defensemen in front of him are so good um, if Justin Close didn't have that, how is he just in a vacuum? I think the answer is he's pretty good. I mean, mm-hmm. I've seen him make so many quality saves this year that I, I'm done with any skepticism I might have had about the guy. He's legit. Um, and I think he showed that last year, coming in for Jack LaFontaine midseason, silencing any critics, um, really guiding this team to the Frozen Four. I think he's extremely capable. So he just needs to, when the moment comes, he needs to steal a game for the Gophers in the NCAA tournament. And then I go back to, you're going to need your forward lines to give you some complimentary scoring. Um, and I alluded to it, Rhett Pitlick, Aaron Huglin got to come up. And then the fourth line, the fourth line has been kind of a puzzle as well. This is such a freshman heavy team that oftentimes that fourth line has been all freshmen. It's been John Middlestat. It's been Connor Kurth. It's been Garrett Pinanimi. Um, they did try to move Colin Schmidt into that center spot last weekend because they just wanted to look for a, you know, a new, uh, permutation there. And Schmidt is a big centerman. He's got a little more seasoning. I think that's kind of what they're looking for because when you lean on an all freshman line, that's something that could, could get exposed in the NCAA tournament. Uh, if they're, you know, in a mismatch on the ice. So that's something to watch for depth of scoring, goaltending, uh, those could take the Gophers to an even uh, more advanced level, I think. I love it. I love it. And what would you say on the opposite side of things, other teams that we play, what is the Gophers kryptonite? What gives them the most problems? Not within themselves, but when it comes to the opponent's teams. I think I think physical teams could throw the Gophers off a little bit. You know, Usually you're kind of one of two things. You are physical. You're going to muck it up. You're going to try to to shrink the ice or you are like fast and talented. And the Gophers are more of that finesse. Like they do have gritty players. Don't get me wrong. Um, but they are more of the, a talent team that if they face a team that's really going to throw their weight around, I think that could knock them off their game just a little bit. Um, like when they faced Michigan, it was just a battle of finesse. It was a battle of skill, a battle of stick handling and speed. You didn't have goons out there. Um, you know, that's reserved sometimes for the lower teams in the conference that don't have the talent. So I'm not sure you're going to run into that a whole lot, to be honest, in the NCAA tournament. Most of these teams are talent-based, uh, skill-based, but you are going to run into teams that are older, teams that weigh more than you do, uh, teams that might have recruited a little bigger guys that are 23, 24-year-old men, while the Gophers have a couple 18-year-olds anchoring the team. So there's right. just kind of a psychological advantage there too, when you're so much older, so much more seasoned. Uh, and we just don't know how those younger guys will respond in the bright lights of the NCAA tournament stage. And that's where the older teams might have the advantage over the Gophers, just psychologically knowing how to prepare for a game like that. Yeah, that'll definitely be something interesting. I haven't thought about that perspective before, but even if you compare it to say the March madness basketball tournament, those younger Dukes and all of those Kentucky teams, sometimes when it gets to the point you're in the Sweet 16, the Elite Eight, they just don't have that experience to really 
bring you to the next step. So it'll be interesting to see how those young guys face in the face of adversity. Now, Mm -hmm. the last thing before we talk about more player specifics and wrap this thing up is I want to know if we're predicting the future and we're talking the frozen four, which four teams are participating. If you had to take your best guess here at the end of January, we don't have brackets. We don't have any of that. But if you had to guess just four teams in the frozen four at this point, who would it be? All right. I'm going to go. Denver. I'm going to go St. Cloud. I'm going to toss Quinnipiac. Um, and maybe I'm just biased because I haven't seen enough of them. I just, I, I don't believe in their strength of schedule as much. Um, I'm going to go Boston and I'm going to go Minnesota Four big names in the frozen Four four. big names. That would be, uh, exciting trip in Tampa right there. Four teams like that playing Mm -hmm. in the frozen four. So let's shift gears. Let's close this thing off talking player specifics, because we all know that with this Gophers team and the talent that they have, there's guys that are going to play at the next level. And it's exciting. It's exciting to say alums could be difference makers at that NHL level. Now you've kind of touched on it a little bit here. You might've had some skepticism to start the year, but do you think Justin Close has pro potential, even if it's just at the AH level, AHL level, or do you think he's just a very, very good college prospect? Excellent question. Um, you know, these guys that aren't attached to a team, they kind of do have the flexibility later in their careers where they can kind of pick and choose. And, you know, they can uh, obviously take the temperature of who'd be interested and then kind of pick their landing spot. They're not attached to an organization. And there is a little bit of freedom in that because odds are you're going to have to work your way up through the ranks, you know, mm-hmm. um, at, at that lower level. So you can kind of choose a, a better fit for you instead of being pigeonholed into somewhere where maybe there's not a fit. I, I think that it's very interesting looking at his career, I believe, and I, I, I don't know this for, for a fact, but I believe he, he has another year of eligibility because of the COVID year, um, which would allow him to come back for one more season, and it might suit him well to do that. I mean, I, I don't know if his resume this year will attract a lot of NHL uh, scouts, and maybe it will. I, I wouldn't profess to being having a perfect eye when it comes to goaltending, but I, I think that he is on the radar. And he's at, you know, a program with enough exposure where people know his name around this country in hockey circles. So I'd be very surprised if he isn't at least attached to an organization, um, you know, by this time in two years. We'll see what next year holds. I I think he's got that extra year, though. Don't know what his plans might be. Cool, cool. And then keeping the idea the thought process with more veterans on this roster how big of an impact do guys like rye joe or lacombe have on this gopher team and how could they transition to the next level as their time comes to a close here yeah i mean first of all the impact of those defensemen returning is immeasurable because when you've got a a bunch of young forwards to have those veteran defensemen to settle them down just massive i mean it's just the the ultimate equalizer and i think that ryan johnson his character is off the charts humanitarian award nominee obviously a first round pick i think that johnson will will eventually work his way into an nhl role maybe not you know maybe not right away i think he might need to, to ease into that a little bit 
I think Brock Faber is ready now. Like I think Brock Faber will, when the time comes for him to go play for the wild, I think that he's going to get minutes fast. Um, he just makes things right on the ice. He's in the right spot. He knows where the guy is going to be. He's got eyes in the back of his head. And, you know, just seeing this guy walk around uh, the player's lounge, he's so sturdy. I mean, his quads are bigger than my torso. Like, that's why he's so <laughs> strong on the ice. He's not tall, but he's sturdy. Uh, he's not going to get moved off of his spot. Love the player that he is. I've loved watching him. Um, and then Lacombe, I think, is kind of right in between. Like, I think Lacombe has a little more offense to his game than Faber does. Faber's a, a tad more um, creator and defensive-minded, you know, defenseman, but he can pass well. I think I think Lacombe actually can shoot. Like, you saw it on Friday with his game-tying goal. He's mm-hmm. kind of got a cannon. Uh, I think Lacombe brings more of an offensive mindset, and, and he'll be a future Anaheim Duck. I think he's playing for them um, within the next couple of years as well. But to me, I think Faber is is definitely your top NHL-ready prospect at this moment. I love it. I love it. And another NHL prospect, because there's so many on this Gophers team. It's Look, as an not an avid hockey fan, but someone trying to get into the sport, this is the perfect team for me because mm-hmm. you have the interest of not only the hometown team, not only the success, but there's so many t- people that you can continue to hopefully watch as they go on and play to the pros. And another player of that caliber is Matthew Nyes. What mm-hmm. is the ceiling for Nyes? He's a huge body. The Leafs seem to have high expectations for him. Maybe he could jump in at the end of the year like we've seen from guys like Matty Beneers and whatnot if they make a playoff run. But what is the ceiling when it comes to Matthew Nyes? Yeah, and just to clarify, when I was talking about the, the defenseman before, those were, I was saying that uh, Faber the most NHL ready of the defensemen. I think yeah, forwards yeah. are a whole different story, just in case anyone took that out of context. I don't want to get <laughs> ice cold takes. Um, Matthew Nyes is just a joy to watch how hard he works. Um, most of his goals come within that kind of 15-foot area around the net. He scores a lot of greasy ones, but he does it with, with hard work. And uh, his ability to sort of sift through traffic, to to bring the puck into congested areas and make something happen. He scores from tough angles in front of the net. Um, and whenever I see a nice highlight from a game get posted on, on social media, if you look at the replies or the quote tweets, the Maple Leafs prospect accounts are salivating. <laughs> They're so excited to get him in Toronto. It's hilarious. Um, I guess if there's any part of his game that, that would need to improve, it would be kind of shooting from beyond the net. Like, and it's okay if you're not Jimmy Snuggerud. Not everybody is. Um, and Nyes can certainly, he leads the Big Ten in goals, and he's doing it mostly by just getting in the net front and pounding away, jamming away. If that, that may not work immediately in the NFL. He may need to sort of expand upon where he can score from, but they're going to love his effort. I mean, the effort is unquestionable, and, uh, and the Maple Leafs are going to be thrilled to have him. Awesome. Awesome. I have one final question for you. And once again, thank you for joining us on the show today. That final question is, who is one player currently on the roster who doesn't get a lot of ice time that could be heavily featured in the years to come that excites you from the flashes or bits you've seen so far? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the the freshman class of forwards, um, I think that they're, they're really excited about Brody Lamb the winger. He's got a couple goals this year. 
Connor Connor Kurth has four goals. Um, and he is part of that fourth line that's been a little bit beleaguered, and and I think that Kurth could be the one to spark it. Uh, Kurth has shown me a lot, and I would say that there's going to be plenty of turnover next year. I mean, it's inevitable that a couple of these freshmen are one and done. Some of these veterans will will take the next step. So you are going to have to backfill a lot of these roles. Mm-hmm. You could see Lamb and Kurth on, you know, at least one or maybe both of them in a top six capacity next year. If you lose a Brodzinski, you lose a Nevers, you lose Snuggerud and Cooley. Uh, we'll see what the carnage is after the year. Yeah. But I, I, I'm i going to go with Connor Kurth as my my number one sort of underrated player to watch. And then and shortly after that, Bro, uh, Brody Lamb. Well, there it is. Thank you again so much for joining us, Sam. And let the people know what you've got going on over at Locked On Minnesota as well. Yeah, we've got daily programming there. The Ron Johnson Show, the Minnesota Football Party, heavily football-focused over there. I know there's a lot of hockey fans watching this one, perhaps, but um, we got a lot of Vikings talk, a lot of Gophers talk as well, of course. Ron Johnson, a former Gopher. And you can also get the the postcasts on Lockdown Sports Minnesota. So that's reactions to Wolves, Wild, Vikings, and Twins games. Right now we have Marty Gellner and Kevin Gorg of my other company, Bally Sports North, doing postgame reactions with us. So uh, check that out. Subscribe, Locked On Sports Minnesota. There it is. Thank you so much for joining us, Sam. That's going to do it for us here at Locked On Golden Gophers. Be sure to hit subscribe as you are getting ready to close that window or wherever you're listening, leave a five-star review. Thank you again, and we'll see you next time. Row the boat, Skyima. Go, go, go.